it hot in here to anybody else but me? <laughs> Just me. There you go. That's all right. I'm used to that. Am I ringing a little bit? Uh, I'm reminded at uh, one point in the song where, where it uh, talked about just this, this carefree, in one of the earlier songs, um, this carefree relationship, this love with Jesus Christ, this, this closeness and intimacy. It, it just reminds me of my favorite part of that movie, The Shack. We, we happened to show it on Tuesday night, and uh, I've seen it now four times. Um, and I can't wait to see it again the next time. Uh, I watched it by myself in, in our living room, setting up and stuff for creation and, and the projector and stuff, because we're going to show it at creation also uh, for, for the early crew. But uh, I know, I know. We, we could show it again later. I just don't know if later we'll have time. The early crew is special, just so y'all know. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but... Um, but my favorite part of that movie, and I think I've shared this with you, is, for those of you who have seen it, is when Jesus and Mac are running together on the water. And it was just a carefree moment of their relationship. It, w- it was not about anything else. It was just about being together and having fun. And, and some of the things, the highlights of that movie, and not to give away parts of the movie, these are not big parts of the movie, um, but struck me were the relational sides of all three of the Trinity, but specifically Jesus Christ. I loved when when they're walking on the water at first and they're looking down at these fish and here comes this big old huge, right? I don't know if it was a rainbow trout or a brown or one of those, but but huge. Jesus said probably about two feet long and, and he said, yeah, I've been trying to catch him for weeks. And Max said, well, why don't you just order him to jump on your hook? And Jesus said, where would the fun be in that? <laughs> and that's so true. I mean, could he order him to get on his hook? Sure. He could also order us into relationship with him, but he doesn't. See, he wants, he desires relationship. He goes through the effort. He goes through the work of gaining relationship with us. That, that was probably the most powerful part to me in terms of the overall theme of that movie, because it just resonated with me so much how Jesus pursues relationship with us and then relationship with each other, which is what we talked about last week. So uh, that movie, if you haven't seen it yet, I would definitely, man, you can you could buy it. I, I bought it twice, actually. I got the physical, and then I was told you could buy it on iTunes and have it accessible anywhere, so I bought it on iTunes. So anyways, but I also wanted to give another update um, because I want to keep this in front of you. It's important for you to understand that you are such a big part of this and your prayers are so needed and they, they are so effective. But we had another tremendous week in Nigeria. They showed the film just outside of McCurdy, in, in this one village, they showed it on Friday night in the Teve language, which is the local language there in that village. And then on Saturday night, they showed it in, in English, because there were many English-speaking people in, in uh, that village as well. They had, 
I believe it was well over 100 people the first night. Now, now by the way, <laughs> Andrew's telling me all this, and, and they didn't have any light, so the, the pictures he sent, I would have shown them, but we could just blank out the screen and you'd see the same thing. Uh, maybe just a couple specks of light, but, but you've got to keep, keep in mind the first night it was raining terribly. It, it had rained all day. And there, now I tease him about this, but he said it was so cold. It was so cold. I mean, it may have dipped down to like the high 70s or early or low 80s. And, and, you know, when you're used to high 90s, low 100s, that can get pretty cold. Well, and it's rainy there. And so, so to have 150 people come out that first night was tremendous. It was huge. They had over 350 the second night. And this is from the same village. This in one village. First night, first night, get, now get this, this is, this is amazing to me. That first night they had 80, 80 people saved. 80 people accepted Jesus Christ into their heart and, and, and proclaimed him as Lord for the first, first time. Opened up that possibility of relationship with Jesus Christ. And then the second night there were another 60 Another 60. So 140 people in the last two days have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. And then there were many. In the first night, there were, uh, I want to say, I think I'd have to look back at it, but I think there were over 60 people healed. And then the second night, there were over 50 people healed. Now, there's a phenomena happening that he's been He's been telling me about, I, I don't even know if he, he, we didn't talk about this being a phenomenon, but, but it, it's been sitting in my spirit this way. But there have been things happening there through the course of this movie. This movie is a powerful movie. It's, it's put out by the Jesus Film Project. That's a ministry that, that has produced this, this Jesus film. It's a little over two hours, and it takes you through the entire life and ministry of Jesus Christ from birth and mostly his ministry, where, where it starts at his baptism, and then all the way through his ascension into heaven. And, and it, it's, it, it focuses so much on relational aspects of Jesus Christ. You know, it, it certainly focuses, you know, on his miracles, on what he said, on everything else, but, it, but he it really shows amazing uh, uh, creativity in the relationship he had with his disciples. And, and this, this has, I don't even know how many languages this has been produced in. I, I want to say it's been literally produced in thousands of languages. Um, we got this equipment, this ministry, what they do is they, they focus on unreached people groups. Okay, and and if you have a ministry that reaches out to unreached people groups, um, or or even in part of that, then they work with you, and we do. Out in Nigeria, we we reach out to a group called Fulani Herdsmen. They're they're all scattered throughout that that area, throughout Beno Estate, and and really all throughout Nigeria almost. But uh, um, but they are an unreached people group, very difficult to break into. Um, very, very closed off. Uh, they're 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 all Muslim, um, but it, it, it's just a very difficult people group to 
to move into. That's one of the things we're there doing with this Jesus film. So, so the Jesus film ministry, they gave us the equipment. It's about $1,500 worth of equipment. They gave it to us with the understanding that we, we agreed to play this film at least 50 times a year. And then we would get it for free. Well, we're going to probably triple that with, with this one piece of equipment. And, and so, so I know what we'll be able to do is get more. I'm, I'm hoping next time I go back to, to uh, Nigeria to take two more packs with me. Because five people have already been trained uh, on how to do this and, and everything else. And they're just having tremendous results. And, and what God is doing there is just tremendous. But, but through this, this film, people have been actually healed during the film. That, that, that upon the prayer at the end, and, and even be, not coming forward, laying hands on or anything else, but they have been manifesting healing just by, by the sheer acknowledgement and understanding of relationship with Jesus Christ. It's really profound. It's really amazing to me what, what God is doing there. So I want to encourage you to really continue in prayer. Um, you could pretty much rest assured that, that each week there's going to be two times that this, this film is shown there at this point. Now, when, when we get more equipment to them, then there will be more. But, uh, but I'm, I'm so proud of, of their hard work and what, what Andrew is doing there and in teaching other people. Uh, his wife Comfort is with him doing this. And, and I know Blessing, one of their daughters, has been with them uh, doing this as well. So um, pray for them. Pray for them because this isn't easy. It's not an easy thing to do. And, and, uh, and then the last thing I, I would pray for is we pray for God's perfect timing, but I've seen so many instances in the Bible where, where people were allowed to urge him on, <laughs> right? I mean, Moses did it. We, we, where, where you go before the Lord and you just urge. Jacob certainly did it. He did it so much he wrestled. You know, and got injured, you know, but, but he did it. So, so urge on in your prayers that the, that the Lord begin to move forward what Ignition is doing there in Nigeria. Because our goal is to, to have the land to be able to break ground before the end of the year. Because things, I, I mean, they're just, the, the harvest is ripe there. And, and the thing is, it doesn't surprise me that we're hearing these numbers of people being saved because it's right. But what needs to happen is the training of discipleship, right? The training of this relational understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what he does in relationship with you. Because as we, and that's what we're going there to do. We're going there not to plant a church where there are other churches. We're, we're going there to plant literally a training center. Okay? And then there'll be hundreds of these set up all over. And then where there are churches or where there are need for churches to be planted, we will plant churches. But it's for the express purpose of teaching relationship with Jesus Christ. It's, it's kind of that concept of you can, you can, you know, fish, catch a fish, give it to a person to feed them, or you could teach them how to fish. That's the same with salvation versus salvation plus relationship. 
You know, I can teach someone how to have relationship with Jesus Christ so they can have the very same thing I have. They, it's, it's not held back for certain people or for pastors or whatever. Well, you know, you have a special relationship because, because you have this calling on your life. No, I hate to inform you. So do you. We all do. He has, and that's one of the things that movie was so profound about is, is there was another point in the movie. Sorry if you haven't seen it. Now you have to see it. Either that or you'll just get it all from me. But there was another point in the movie where, where Max says, he's talking to Jesus and, and he says, he says, man, he says, you know, you're, you're just not like all, all the, all, what all the religions say you are. And, and Jesus kind of sighed and he said, religion. He said, he said, can't remember. Too much work. That's what it was. Yeah, religion. That's too much work. That's too much work. I want friends. See, try to understand the heart of God. He, he did not send his only son to die on the cross for you so that you can accept this free gift and then go about whatever you want to do. He did it for relationship. He did it because he has something way more to offer you. And, and it's, it's kind of like, like a father with a child trying to get them to understand that if they try this, you're going to really enjoy it. Right? You may not think so. You might be afraid right now. I, I remember, I'll tell a story, my dad will laugh. And, and by the way, if you haven't said Happy Father's Day to your father, say Happy Father's Day to him. And uh, I did. I hugged my dad twice this morning. And then he, after I did it twice, he told me he was sick. So I don't know if that's getting me back or what. But, but when I was a kid, I was nine years old. Okay, and, and, well, what do you want for your birthday? It was birthday or Christmas. I can't remember what it was. What do you want for your birthday or Christmas? And, and I wanted a shotgun. Okay. Now, I mean, see, nowadays that's actually funny. You don't put a gun into a nine-year-old's hand. But I had already had guns. I just hadn't had a shotgun. And I was nine, right? Yeah, I was nine. Um, boy, I can't imagine putting a gun in a Vaughn's hat. <laughs> of course, I was different back then. Okay, it was a little different. But, but my dad would take me hunting, and we'd hunt for, for rabbit, and, and I won't tell that story. But uh, um, we, we would do these things, but we, we wanted to hunt for bird, and you need a shotgun to hunt for birds. So... So they did. They, they bought me a shotgun for, I think it was my birthday, and had the stock cut down so it would fit me and all that. I, and I still have that shotgun. Um, and I remember the first time he took me out there to shoot it. You know, because you don't just automatically go hunting. You go and you get familiar with the equipment, right? So, so you know how to use it. You know how to use it safely. So we went out and... <laughs> And he gives me the first shell, and I was just scared to death. I'm just, I'm just scared to death. I, and I don't know how long I talked to him about this, but, but I'm like, you know, it, maybe, maybe I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just scared, and I didn't want to do it. And, and, and he, you know, I can now understand his feelings looking at me and saying, look, if you just do it once, if you just try it once, you're going to see that all those fears you have are not reality. And then a whole new world is going to open up to you. And so I did. After, after much 
much talking me into it. I, I shot it for the first time, and, and I remember my reaction was, is that all? What was I so afraid of? What was I so afraid of? This, this kickback or whatever from the shotgun that I, because you don't have that with a 22, and that's what I was used to, right? So I realized at that moment that a whole new world opened up to me. A whole new world that I was so afraid of being a part of, right? Isn't that how it is with Jesus Christ? Isn't that how it is with relationship with him? That we don't understand what that means. Well, okay, thank you for salvation, God. Thank you that I have my ticket to heaven, but... But to actually build a relationship with you, that means I can't do this or, or I can't do that, which I really enjoy. Or even on the flip side, let's look at it the other way. Maybe not, not something you're afraid of losing, but you're afraid that he'll have you do something. God, I, I don't mind the fact that you gave me salvation. Thank you. Thank you for it. But Lord, I... I'm too afraid to do anything else. And building relationship with you, I know I'm going to be expected to do something else. I can't talk to a, to a stranger. I can't talk to this person over there. For that matter, I, I, I can't build relationship with people I even know. So, so, so God, I, I can't do this. Don't force that on me, that relationship. Because I know it means more than just you and me. Why? Because the Bible says so. The Bible says, Jesus said, love me with everything you are and everything you do and everything, all your strength, and then love each other the same. Love each other the same way. So we can't detach that second part, but we do. I detached it for years. I just made it to include only the people I wanted it to include. Right? Well, I can love these people because they're easy to love. Or there might be motivation for me to love them. They're my family. Okay, I have to love them. It's easy to love people that, that you want to love. But people that either you don't want to love or people that you don't know. How do you love them? Well, that's the thing. When you develop a relationship with Jesus Christ, it opens those doors to understanding that. So there could be a great fear in walking down that path and walking down the path of opening yourself up to other people. But it's just like shooting the shotgun when you do it. And the first time that it happens, you walk away from that like, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't so scary. Wow, God, you really showed up like you said you would. You did far more than you said you would do. And then you begin to crave more. I remember once I shot it the first time, then I wanted to shoot it again, and I wanted to keep shooting it. Then, then I felt really confident, like, man, this is so easy. This is so easy. Then my dad dropped the bomb. See, my dad loads his own shells. And he told me, yeah, I just put a little tiny light thing in there. And so, so then I had to get used to a stronger one, right? Isn't that how the Father works? Isn't that, it, 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 that's how he works when he's teaching us something. He doesn't pour everything out all at once. 
Why? Because we can't handle that. We can't handle that. That's overwhelming. That's more information than we can assimilate in our lives at one point. So it gives us a portion. But to us, it's everything. To us, we're thinking in our minds, okay, this is like the biggest wall in the world, and how am I going to scale it? And then when you scale it, okay, that wasn't so bad. It doesn't mean that's over with. It just means look ahead. There's going to be another wall. There's going to be another mountain. Because it's going to take you to a higher place. Each one is taking you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Each one, you look back. When, you know, once I was shooting the heavy loads, I look back on that light load and it's like, what's the point? What a waste. And yet that's what I was so afraid of. It's like with Jesus Christ, as you draw closer to him and he draws closer to you, and you look at the beginning of your relationship and and you just think in your mind, wow, where I was back then. I I was so, so ignorant of what he wanted to do. I I was so not understanding his love and his power, but he has taken me to this point where I understand so much more. And it makes that first mountain look so tiny. Now, to be relational with other people, you have to understand, and we are a a discipleship church. Our calling is discipleship. I firmly believe we have enough evangelism. And I'm not telling, please, for those online, I'm not, I'm not saying we don't need evangelism. I'm not, not saying that. I'm saying that's not our calling. I firmly believe in evangelism through discipleship. I believe that if we have evangelism poured in with relationship, then you have multiplication of yourself. Yeah, you ever think of this? I, uh, <laughs> I hate to ask this, but who has been involved in any kind of multi-level marketing? And, and if every adult doesn't raise their hand, I'm just going to call you a liar right now. No, I'm kidding. Multi-level marketing. Okay, we, Lex and I have been involved in a lot of them, and we've done really, really well in some, and that's probably what kept us going in some of them. Um, but for the most part, multi-level marketing, it's the same idea, right? You, get, you, you start your business, you get people trained underneath you to work and effectively duplicate yourself so you're duplicating your effort and it all flows up to you. That's multi-level marketing, right? Okay? Do you understand that's the most powerful marketing scheme, if you will, or plan in history and in the world. There's nothing more powerful than that. Where do you think it came from? That is the word of God. That is the power of multiplication is discipleship. In your life, when you pour into somebody else, relationship with Jesus Christ, teaching them, and we are going to get to Colossians, by the way, but teaching them what it means to have relationship with him. He does the work. 
He shows them the very same thing that he's shown you. What he is effectively doing is duplicating you here on this earth. When you duplicate yourself, you double your efforts. Now, I, this was a commercial a long time ago, but anybody remember that, that when you tell two friends and they tell two <laughs> friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on, and pretty soon the whole world knows. But see, there's truth in that. There's power in that. That's what we're called to. We're called to discipleship. We're called to duplication of this relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Why do you think we've been sequestered for so long? Because, see, we can't duplicate what isn't in us. We can't duplicate relationship if it's not already in us. If you're a teacher, you understand you can't teach something you don't understand. You might get away with it for a little bit, but then all of a sudden there are questions that are going to come your way that you don't have an answer for. And whatever subject it is, it's nothing compared to the Word of God. You have to have relationship with Jesus Christ in order to disciple relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, not salvation. Because the moment a person is saved, they have the Holy Spirit inside of them that works in their heart. And from the very first day, that's part of the passion intensive that we're going to be doing at, at creation. We're going to be teaching these these brand new converts, brand new people that just get saved, we're going to be teaching them what it means to begin that foundation in Jesus Christ. And, and it's like this jumpstart discipleship. We, we call it relationship training. Don't be confused. It's a specific relationship, right? Okay, but in this... You, even when somebody first gets saved, one of the things we teach them is that you're going to have a voice. When you get home, your brother, your sister, your family, your friends, they're going to ask you questions and they're going to see this, that something's different with you. Because the Holy Spirit is what's different. So even a person that is just saved can then begin to share. With somebody else. Now they can only share what they know. They can share that Jesus Christ just changed their lives. But see, if that's the only place we leave them, we have so not given them what Jesus wants us to give them. See, as you start pouring into them relationship with Jesus Christ, they start experiencing this relationship and understanding what he does in the lives of his children, then they begin to be able to teach others at each level. It's just like we do now. That's our calling. That's our calling as a church. When I talk about readying the bride, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Jesus will ready the bride through effective discipleship, effective relationship training. Because, see, we need to learn how to have a relationship with him. It's not this religion. And we've talked about that, and I know we know that at this church. But, see, God is calling you to be teachers in this. So we have to get it. 
We have to understand it. We have to be aggressively going after it. What is that it? It's relationship with Jesus. That's exactly what the it is. Because when he teaches it to you, you can then share it with others. That's going to ready the bride. You know, I, I, I talked about a prophecy that, that was spoken over me um, a few years ago at the very beginning. And, and that was, I think I even said it last week, but where one of these men who didn't know me, didn't know me at all, he said that, um, I, I, I think you're a pastor or something. He said, but, but, it's, but it's not really a church. He said, I can't really put my finger on it, but it's really more of a movement. Okay, this was three years ago. This is before we were anything. But it rings true. And what it is, it's this movement of relationship. It's this movement of teaching what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and what it means to have a relationship together. See, that was the part I didn't really get until recently. I didn't get the fact that that just as important is relationship with each other as it is with Jesus Christ. Why? Because he revels in that. Do you think when we're in heaven, we're not just going to be there individually with him, right? We're going to be with each other. We're going to be with millions of others. He wants us to understand relationship is within the family. It's within everybody. We build relationships together. How do you build relationships with people that you really have very little in common with? How how about, how about ones that you have disagreements with? I mean, we see that in the family dynamic, right? You have disagreements all the time. How do you build those relationships, healthy relationships within a family dynamic? Well, it's the same way we build or need to build it within the bride. See, because there isn't that healthy relationship in the bride. You have some kids that play well together. You have some kids that just play by themselves. And then you have some kids that are bullies, and you have some kids that live in fear, and then you have some kids that say, forget this whole thing, I'm just going to do, go do my own thing. <laughs> yeah, you have all kinds in the body of Christ. You have all different types of churches. So how do we learn to not just get along? I'm sorry, but if, if, if that's all we need to do is get along, that's pretty sad. That, that's, not, that's not what Jesus wants. How do we learn how to love? How do we learn how to love and look forward to loving? Someone who is totally different than us, believes perhaps different doctrines. This is, this is especially difficult for some of us that grew up a certain way. I grew up in legalism, and I've shared that. And, and you know, my wife used to always say to me, you are really bitter about the legalism. Because, because any time I would face that sort of situation, and even up to recently, any time I would face that situation, it would be, my reaction would be almost antagonistic. Now, at heart, I'm a warrior. 
So what's your first reaction? Go to war, right? Now, not realizing that my greatest weapon is love. Well, of course, well, I, I, I love Jesus. Did I just shut off? Did my battery die? Battery died. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll use this other for the sake of the... Can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah, I want them to be able to hear me online. But uh, um, so, you know, I'm trying to remember where I was. The greatest weapon being love, right? Yeah. And and this this relationship and and you know, I saw so much damage in what legalism did, and and so so my feeling was. This is righteous indignation, you know, to 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 fight back because I, I'm really fighting back the the powers of of Satan and and the, these wrong influences. And what Jesus showed me was, I have to love everyone. I have to love them, and and not not some sacrifice of, okay, I disagree with you, but come here, give me a hug. You know, it's not that either. It's truly from years of praying, Lord, give me your lens. Give me your eyes to see as you see. And and see, when I did that, I began to understand what God wanted in them. See, God wants relationship. And and. I'll leave that alone. When you go after relationship with Jesus Christ, he will show you how to love through that relationship. But you have to keep your eyes open. See, that's something I didn't get for a long time. I I, I understood loving people. And I I talked about that last week in the last couple weeks. I understood that, okay, to be a pastor, you got to love. you got to love everybody. Okay? But how about within the bride? What is it going to take for the bride to come together? See, it's not just that we accept each other and we tolerate each other. It's that we work together. It's, it's that we love Jesus because if you have all these different groups right here, all believing different doctrines, all, all saved, understand this is the bride, all believing different things, how do you get them all on the right track? Because there is a correct track, by the way. And I'm pretty sure none of us have it. Nobody on earth has the perfect track. Because nobody on earth is exactly like Jesus Christ. But how do you get closer to the right track? Especially this huge, diverse group of the bride. It's in relationship, when you hook them into relationship with him, right? He's up here, and, and, and if everybody is heading toward this relationship with Jesus Christ, what happens? It starts to bring them together. And they start meeting up, and, and all of a sudden, well, this thing that was so important that divided us for so long, it just isn't that important anymore. doesn't mean that they changed their belief about it. Or that I changed my belief about it. It means that what became more important was them. 
and my relationship with them because that is creating unity in my relationship with him. That's what's going to bring the bride together. Turn to Colossians. Sorry. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> we won't get far. That's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll try and read the first part of chapter 2. I was hoping to get, get much further than that, but that's all right. We won't. We're used to that. Just come on a Thursday night. You'll, you'll see what I mean. <laughs> with, yeah, with the young people, it's like, are we actually going to talk about what we plan to? Yeah. All right, we're going to start in uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. Now, remember last week we talked about the end of chapter 1 there and the, that, that mystery that Paul revealed that was hidden for the ages. And, and what was that mystery? Well, it was that the Gentiles were grafted in, but it's not just that. That's actually the small part of the mystery. And, and it's important to get this. The mystery was that once Jesus Christ ascended from the grave, you had a personal relationship with him. See, that wasn't the case in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, to be forgiven for sin, you had to bring it to the altar, and the priests would then do it for you, right? Especially that for the nation. So, so the mystery that was this hidden thing was the intimacy of this relationship with God that was not available in the Old Testament because Jesus Christ had not been born as a man. But when he became a man, lived that life, died on the cross, rose again, went to heaven, sits on the right hand of the Father, he was able to facilitate that relationship in a brand new way. And that's what we're talking about today. That's what literally we probably talk about in one way or another every week. That relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the mystery that was hidden that Paul is talking about here. So chapter 2, verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, this is Paul speaking, to the church at Colossae, and for those at Laodicea, and for all those who have not seen me face to face, because he hadn't seen them before, he hadn't met them yet. Verse 2. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love unity together to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, which is the Messiah. The Messiah was the mystery. He came and he opened all of that up. Verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. must be important because he just said it again. Remember last week, uh, back in chapter 1, um, where was it? I don't remember where it was, but... Uh, but it was where, where he, he was warning them that they not be deceived through these, these arguments that make sense, right? He is saying that again right here. He's saying, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. 
No one can get you to look beyond the truth just because what they're saying sounds smart. See, when you have relationship, when you understand relationship and are given truth of Jesus Christ, you can be told something that sounds smart and know that's not true. Why? Because you've experienced it. You've experienced the truth of Scripture. That's what happened when, when the, the Lord opened me up to understanding the working of the power of the Holy Spirit. When this whole journey began, understanding that God does still speak to you. He does still want to have the very things that he has in the word of God. See, up until that time, I had listened to these plausible arguments that made sense. They made sense because of the world that I had been in and the understanding that I had. But when that world of truth was opened up to me, and I experienced through what the Word of God had as confirmation, okay, the Word of God said something, I experienced it as confirmation, then nobody, nobody, understand, nobody could tell me any different. Why? Because I experienced it myself. I experienced it myself, and it was proven, and it was confirmed, and it was right in line with what the Word of God said, and it brought the Word of God alive. You know, when, when I, I started praying that the Holy Spirit do His main job in me, and it, what's His main job? His, one of His jobs is to reveal Scripture to me. So when I prayed that, and, and, and Holy Spirit just reveal Scripture to me, pull back the layers, help me to understand Scripture. Well, when He did that, and as He did that more and more, you can't go back to me now and tell me that he does not work that way. Why? Because I could give you proof after proof after proof. Just because you believe something in your own world that makes sense, and it's a plausible argument, doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't mean it's right. You want what's right? Go to the Word of God. And here's an idea. How about believe the word of God at its face value? Believe it. Don't use an excuse to say, well, yeah, but that was like 3,000 years ago. Or that was 2,000 years ago. Things are different now. This is a different culture. Sure. But Jesus said there's nothing new under the sun. We may do things a little differently. But Jesus is the same. His word is the same. Why has the church lost its capability of faith? Why has it lost its capability of believing in the extraordinary? It's because of this. Because of those plausible arguments. Because of those arguments that make sense. What do they make sense to? They make sense to your flesh. Because, see, it keeps you from the very thing that forces you out of your comfort zone. You can stay in your comfort zone your whole life. You could just stay there and feel comfortable. Or you think you're comfortable. What you're really doing is you're getting wrapped in fear. Or, in developing a relationship with Jesus Christ, you then are taken out of your comfort zone. 
I'll tell you, hearing a plausible argument to keep me in my comfort zone, that's an easy thing to believe. It's an easy thing to even tell yourself. Well, that's just not me. You know, going on a prayer walk, well, you know, that's their thing. That's not me. I don't, I don't really go on prayer walks because I don't really talk to people that I don't know. You know, I was taught that since a little kid. But you know what? God changes all that as you grow in, in understanding of who he is and in relationship with him. So don't listen to the plausible arguments. Don't listen to those things that take you away from believing the extraordinary. We've all talked about what God has called for this church. We've all talked about what is coming in this revival. It's extraordinary what's about to happen. Understand that. And and it's not just going to happen in our little world. It's going to happen in the world. The whole world. And what's about to happen will be fueled by the very faith of believing that it will happen. I loved what Shannon said when, when she was praying. She declared. She declared God's prophecy. Now, she got that out of the word of God. Right? What she declared about the bride being readied and, and about the bride being, being just the, the world looking up to the bride because of how much Jesus... She took that from Revelation 3.9. That wasn't her idea. That was God's idea, right? But she declared it. Do you know how much power was in that declaration? That rocked Satan's world. That rocked the spiritual realm. Because it was spoken in faith. Declare. When you're in your private time with the Lord, which, which by the way, I... I don't, I don't like completely understand that because what I have found as I've been developing my relationship with the Lord, my, my private time really is all the time. My conversations with him are all the time. No, just kidding. <laughs> They're all the time. He doesn't leave me nor forsake me. Why should I keep him out of my conversations? That's, that's one thing I've learned. So, so the secret place to me is, is simply that, that relationship where I go to him all the time. I go to him no matter what. And, and so, so in doing that, in, in your time, in your quiet time, declare. Declare truth. Declare truth over your own life. Declare truth. Say it out loud. Declare it because it goes into the heavens. It goes before the throne of God. And there is power in that declaration. When you declare that, Lord, I want your will to be done in my life. Father, open my book right now. Read my book aloud to the court. And I say yes to you. I give you my yes and I want your will to be done in my life. When you say that out loud, it deflates the enemy. It deflates those plausible arguments. There can be no plausible arguments that come against you when the Holy Spirit through your faith is just oozing out. It can't. So what happens if the bride starts to do this on a massive scale. <laughs> Talk about sin, Satan, running. He, that's what he fears. 
That's what he fears. He fears truth because he knows when you have truth, those plausible arguments won't be able to do anything anymore. It won't have the effect that it's had for years. And yet, we have a difficult time breaking through sometimes. We have a difficult time believing in his goodness, in his purity, in his justness, in his love. Because we find ourselves in this circular motion of going through a fear or going through a problem and having to work through it, having victory in it, and then the plausible arguments start in our mind again. Well, maybe you don't really love me like I thought you did. Maybe I went a little overboard on that one because, see, I'm not feeling it right now. Be careful attaching your feelings to truth. Because, see, your feelings can lie to you more than anything else can lie to you. That, that, that's such a sad thing that, that the world really pushes. Well, just, just do what you feel. I don't know if it was birthed in the 60s, but boy, it sure got popular in the 60s. Right? That's what I was born into. Just do what you feel. Well, that doesn't make sense. If, if, you, if you don't feel that, you shouldn't have to do that. Baloney. Where, is it, where does it say that in the Word of God? That's, that's just not the case. If you get truth into your heart, you're going to see that that's a lie. Because the truth sets you free, the Bible says. And <laughs> And again, I love that movie and, and the father saying that and he said, and who is the truth? Well, he's just out there working in his shed, <laughs> right? The truth sets you free. Who is the truth? The Bible says Jesus Christ is the truth. How does he set you free? Relationship. Getting to know him. Him becoming your best friend. How far did we get? I know we need, we, need, we are going to get Okay, let's, let's do one more verse. So that way at least we're to a break. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoice to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ. I love that word, rejoice. In relationship with him, if there's no rejoicing, if there's no joy, if there's no peace, Rest assured, something is not right about the relationship. And that's simply a sign not to get out of the relationship, but to press in. To press in harder. To know that he is working in your life. We, we do that through rejoicing. We do that through thanks. Not to read ahead, but just read verse 7. It talks about, Thanksgiving. Do you ever thank the Lord? Do you go down your list and, uh, okay, this is my prayer time, so I'm going to thank the Lord for that. I've got my list of ten things to thank the Lord for. That's not Thanksgiving, by the way. Thanks is when it comes from your heart. Thanks is when you live it. Relationship is not your words. Relationship is your life. Okay. That's the same difference. We can be thankful with this list of things we're thankful for, or we can live a life of thankfulness. 
just the very, very fact that you have a destination of paradise permanently, forever. And, and by the way, you don't have to pay for it. On earth, we've got to buy our houses. You want, you want some big mansion here on earth, you better do really well financially to buy it. You don't have to in heaven. He did it for you. You, you have that to look forward to. That in and of itself, just the thought and hope of being with him, is, is more than enough to have that thankful heart, that joy, that peace. But then, when you start realizing that Jesus wants relationship now, he, didn't, he doesn't want to wait till then. He wants it now. Then there's so much more to rejoice for. There's so much more to be thankful for, so much more to be happy for. And, and as you do that, as you're thankful for those things, he starts to heap more on. For those of you who, who are, are parents, you understand this. If, if you have a, a grateful and thankful child, it makes you want to give more to them. right? It makes you want to pour out more on them. God's no different. And as we seek him in relationship and we're thankful and we're grateful and, and, and we're just at peace in that relationship, he just wants to heap more on. So I, I want to encourage you today. Let him heap it. Let him heap it. Because, see, he's getting you ready for something. He's getting you ready to share those experiences with someone else to share those experiences of how much God loves you with someone you don't even know. I know we're, we're about to go into creation, and we've been talking about this for a while. There, there's some extraordinary things going to happen at creation. I was just talking with Jacqueline, and, and she, her and her husband head up the prayer team, which, which we make up the majority of the prayer team. But she said, she said I, don't, I don't know what it is. She said, but... But I just know, see, the first night there is Wednesday night. She said, I just know that we're all hands on deck that first night. She said, I can't tell you why, I can't tell you what. She said, but something's going to happen. And, and I said, well, I, I'm in full agreement of that. And I believe Todd White is preaching that first, one, that first night. And he wasn't even going to be on the main stage because, see, that's not quite what creation does. <laughs> but he is. He's now going to be on the main stage, which is awesome because that's where I had the vision of it. God's going to, he's going to work in an amazing way there. It's not just creation. He wants to work in your life because he is ready. He is ready. Get this. He is ready to send us. This sequestration, is that a word? Did I say that? It is now. That is a Twiddell word right there. This sequestering of us for, for these three years to teach us relationship, there comes a point where there's ascending. It was after three years that Jesus sent the disciples. And, and not that the training ended, because Jesus continued that relationship after he, after he rose up to heaven. But he sent them. And we're there. We're there. We're about to be sent. So just press into him. Press into him. Don't be afraid of something new. 
be excited for what he's building in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you and we praise you. You are just so awesome. And I am so thankful of who you are and what you're doing in us. But most of all, Father, that you teach us this idea of relationship that no matter where we are, no matter what we go through, we're never alone. No matter where you send us, we're never alone. You're right with us. Even if we don't recognize that, we know it's truth because you said it. And so, God, for so long now, we've been focusing on this understanding of a relationship with you. And, and I, I, think, I think in so many ways we, we get that, and, and we're really growing in that. But, God, help us and teach us the other part, because that's how you're equipping us for our calling for the bride. Teach us how to reach out to others, how to love others, how to just love and joy and show your peace in our lives to everyone. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, my God, it's so cool. Um, those of you that were in class downstairs, and let the ladies remember, um, everything Greg added to, through the Colossians was such a, uh, such a compliment to what we talked about downstairs, one of which being your feelings, not letting that be the, the driver of where, you, where your belief is. But I want to encourage you, because one thing that I thought of when he was saying that um, is, you know, somebody who's very emotional, I'm a very emotional person, emotions are great, and, and you might think, well, why in the world do we have feelings? If we can never feel good about doing something, it's like we always have to deny our feelings and then do this. What I find is interesting is that um, take the emotions and feelings that God's given you and use truth to drive it. And I think it was Anissa recently at a, at a meeting um, using an example of finding out something that she thought was truth but wasn't truth about her bank account. But And I thought about this example. If you were to find out that suddenly you had no money. You, you went online or you went to the bank and, and you found out that your balance was zero or some money was gone. All of a sudden, the panic, the fear that would set in, if you have bills to pay and things like that, you'd be panicked. And your emotions would go crazy with that reality. But if you then found out, that's not true. No, 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 that's not true. There was a, there was a glitch at the bank. You're fine. You have plenty of money. In fact, you have more than you thought you did because they, there was some fee that you were charged two years ago and they reimbursed you. I mean, you know, that's what the truth of the word does. It takes you in a panic state of your life with these feelings of what you think are true and then you find out that the truth is actually better than that example. And so the feelings can be really good. And I hope you notice that during the shift of worship because you may come in, and I think Brooke said it when, at the beginning, you know, when you don't feel like worshiping, when you decide to declare truth and through obedience and by faith give a sacrifice of praise and begin to sing those words, those faith words, those declaration words, you'll notice the shift in your emotions and in your feelings that will begin to accompany. And if not real soon, then by the end of worship, you're actually into worship a little bit more. It takes a while to kind of deny our flesh, but our feelings are wonderful. Our emotions were created by God. We just need to drive them with truth. 
And then when you follow your feelings, it's beautiful. It's wonderful to praise God because you feel like praising God. But where feelings work against you is if it's based in lies. And that's where Satan gets us. The other thing I had to, to say, which was funny, um, I don't know why I said this. This is very, very weird. Um, when Greg was talking about creation and the things that were going to happen in creation, um, I said hello to Brianna this morning because I hadn't seen her for a while. And for whatever reason, the first thing out of her mouth is, are you going to be a creation this year? Are you going to be a creation? And you know, if you know me, I've never been there. I, but this year, I've been very, very compelled to pray harder than ever. But it was a weird knee-jerk reaction that I said to her, I said, no, but I may be there toward the end. And I was kind of like, okay, I'm not lying to her right now. Why is this coming out of my mouth? Um, and I just let that be because I kind of thought, okay, uh, what's going on? I'm not, I don't have Tourette's. <laughs> you know, like, blah, blah. I didn't just say that. But when Greg spoke what he spoke, I don't know. I, I thought, okay, whatever you're going to do, Lord, if, if it's going to cause me to need to be there because of what you're going to do, the Lord knows that I'm willing. So I don't know what that means, but God may take me there, but I didn't lie to you, and, um, and now I'm kind of freaking out just a little bit. So, um, so we'll just see. I'm, don't hold me to anything. If God will show me what to do. Because Greg had mentioned before, he says, you know, depending on how the Holy Spirit moves, he says, you may need to come. You may need to be there. And, um, and I just had this weird sense of something that was said. So, honey, your face is really, really red. So just calm down. But God is good. God is doing something very significant, and the Lord knows my heart. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I will do whatever He's asked me to do. I don't camp. I don't go to Africa. But clearly, He's asking me to go to Africa, and probably going to ask me to camp. Okay, so whatever. We'll, we'll deal with that. So, so anyway. But I hope that my resistance and my high-maintenance ways will challenge you to walk by faith and not by sight. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Because if I can do it, anybody can do it. No. We'll see. Whatever God says to do, I really will do. Because, you know what? He makes it good. He makes it good. He will, he will, he will do what, um, like Greg said, you know, the fear. I love that example. The fear of, of shooting the gun for the first time. We really do. I thought immediately of Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see. Why are we so afraid to taste things we don't think we'll like? It's a bizarre thing. What are, you, are you the fear of burning your throat? The fear of hiding? No, it's just the fear usually that we just aren't going to like it and we're going to be uncomfortable. But when you taste of the Lord, he will show you that he is the only one that satisfies our soul. He satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Psalm 103. So anyway, um, I just want to encourage you. Um,